0: Canada is among 12 countries in the world that has made assisted dying legal. Brought into law six years ago, MAID continues to be a point of contention in this country. Last year alone, 10,000 Canadians died by the procedure, some finding the ability to plan their death dignifying. To know
1: that people do not have to wait until they are in absolute the crunch of agony that you can leave before
2: all of
0: that happens. Initially, when Bill C-7 was passed, the caveat to accessing the procedure was that one's death had to be reasonably foreseeable. Since then, the law has changed and now allows those with a serious or incurable illness, disease or disability to access MAID as well. A special joint committee is looking into changing the restrictions once more allowing those with mental health diagnosis and mature minors to also have access to the procedure. Critics say the law is flawed and has made it too easy for Canadians to choose death. That while the bill says patients
3: must be given information about services that could help alleviate their suffering, so
1: about palliative care, about mental health um, or social supports, there's not actually any responsibility to provide access to those services.
0: Recently, 44-year-old Sathya Dahara-Kovac died at the beginning of October, accessing medical assistance in dying, she says, because she didn't have enough home care support to help her cope with her disease. And some doctors are concerned as well. A recent private member's bill was defeated in the House of Commons, which would have set conscience protection rights for doctors and healthcare care professionals who feel intimidated or pressured to take part directly or indirectly in providing MAID. TODAY ON CONTEXT, MEDICAL ASSISTANCE IN DYING. HAS IT BECOME TOO EASY IN THIS COUNTRY TO DIE? WELCOME TO CONTEXT, I'M MAGGIE JOHN. AS YOU JUST HEARD, THE CONVERSATION AROUND THE RIGHT TO DIE CONTINUES IN THIS COUNTRY SIX YEARS AFTER MEDICAL ASSISTANCE IN DYING BECAME LEGAL HERE. HELEN LONG IS THE CEO OF DYING WITH DIGNITY, AN ADVOCACY GROUP THAT SUPPORTS CANADIANS' RIGHT TO ACCESS MEDICAL ASSISTANCE IN DYING. WELCOME TO THE SHOW, HELEN. Thanks, Maggie. So 10,000 Canadians chose to access MAID last year alone. What does this say to you?
4: Well, I think what it says is that Canadians are becoming more familiar, more aware of the fact that assisted dying can be a choice for, for those who opt to go that route and that the stigma you know, around assisted dying as a, an option is decreasing. Uh, I think it's also reflected of the changes in the eligibility criteria And just the fact that we're six years in, every year the numbers do get a little higher, although we do expect them to kind of level out.
0: And that astonishes me. So 10,000, the expectation is that that number will go up potentially this year when we get the numbers in?
4: Yeah, so that number is about, I believe it's 3.2%. Health Canada is on the record as having stated that they expect to see us level out around 4% or just over 4%, which is in line with the Benelux countries uh, where assisted dying has been legal for a longer period of time.
0: Okay. Your website says that you provide support for adults suffering from grievous or irremedial medical conditions who wish to die on their own terms. The provisions around MAID have expanded since it went into law six years ago. How does dying with dignity feel about the allowance of those living with severe illnesses and disabilities being permitted to access MAID? And by next year, as, as we just heard, mental health will also be, uh, ex- uh, those suffering with mental illness will also be able to access MAID as well as potentially uh, mature minors. Yeah, so
4: I mean, I, I think we're certainly on the record as having advocated Uh, for eligibility changes to the assisted dying laws. Um, Dying With Dignity Canada is a human rights charity, and we're focused on Canadians having the right to choose their good death. Uh, The expansions around um, reasonably foreseeable, which was the change in Bill C-7, I think those are the result of a, a court challenge. And I think in Canada, uh, these rules are very much governed by the constitution and by the rights that Canadians have. So uh, we do support and advocate for changes and and perhaps increased changes. Um, you know, mental disorders uh, made for those with mental disorders as a sole underlying mental uh, medical condition will be legal in March of 2023. Uh, while the committee has been talking about the law, it will change. It is a sunset clause. And mature minors, certainly that's a topic of discussion. I don't know that we'll see changes in the legislation around that uh, next year.
0: Now, Helen, we're hearing cases of Canadians choosing MAID because of lack of social assistance, housing, care, and families are shocked when they find out that their loved one has accessed this procedure. Are Canadians being fully educated, you think, on MAID and its accessibility?
4: Well, I mean, I think there's always room to educate. Um, Does every Canadian have all the facts that they need around assisted dying? No, I'm sure that they don't. So that's a continuing um, communication, education um, path that we are on. Uh, At the same time, you know, I think it's important to remember that assisted dying is about compassion. Uh, It's about an end to intolerable suffering as a result of a disease, disability, illness or decline related to that. Um, and it's, it's an individual choice. So, you know, while we certainly can empathize and we feel for family members who perhaps were not fully involved in discussions around MAID, at the end of the day, it's an individual's right and, and an individual's choice to proceed with a MAID procedure.
0: And why is it important that Canadians have this choice when it comes to dying with assistance?
4: Yeah, I mean, one of the things we hear from uh, people across Canada on a regular basis, is that having the ability to apply for MAID, uh, even if they ought not to go ahead with it, uh, just gives people a sense of, of comfort. They know that their suffering will end, they know that they're in control and they have autonomy again. Um, you know, not every Canadian will choose MAID, but for those who want to, it can provide a great sense of relief to them.
0: I know that Dying with Dignity is also in favor of palliative care. Is that being given, you think, enough attention as an option when dying? And are proper provisions in place to make palliative care a viable option for Canadians?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's very clear, and it's been very clear through the um, witnesses at the joint committee that there is not enough palliative care in Canada. There's not enough access to it. It doesn't begin early enough. Um, I think there's a lot of information out there that talks about the need for palliative care. So we would join that call for governments to continue to increase funding, support services related to palliative care for Canadians. All right, one
0: final question for you, Helen. We have 30 seconds left, but I want to squeeze this in. Some have criticized Canada for making it too easy to die in this country. Do you think that's true?
4: You know, it's ironic. One of the we things we hear most often is that people are having such a hard time accessing an assisted death even when they've been approved. So, uh, no, I don't think it's true. I think we're offering Canadians choice and we're offering them compassion, and that's what we should be doing.
0: All right, Helen Long, CEO of Dying with Dignity. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. On the other side of this debate is the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, another advocacy group. This one is trying to redirect the conversation around the end of life to one centered around palliative care. Alex Schattenberg is the group's executive director. Alex, thanks for joining us today.
5: Hey, it's great being with you today.
0: We've heard uh, the numbers over 10,000 people access made last year alone. Why do you think that is, Alex?
5: Well, there's been a normalization of uh, MAID or euthanasia in Canada, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that early on there were a lot of stories that we heard uh, of different people who were going through difficult conditions. And they were uh, the, the message was to Canadians that uh, euthanasia is the answer to these conditions rather than talking about proper care. And so I think by uh, constantly being re- reinforced with that message, it normalized it, and the numbers went very high very fast.
0: We've heard of recent, a recent example, I'm sure you have as well, of the 44-year-old Manitoba woman who chose to die by maid. And in a note that she left for her family, she said it was the lack of available home care that helped lead to her decision. What does that say to you?
5: Well there's been a lot of cases like that and what we have is a situation that the disability community warned about. They said that if you legalize euthanasia made for these reasons such as uh chronic conditions etc that you're going to get a lot of people who are living in poverty. They're living in poverty and they might have other health conditions but they qualify for made so this becomes the escape mechanism of poverty. Uh it's it's absolutely distressing that in a country like Canada this is there's, there's lots of stories like this. I'm getting calls all the time and I'm dealing with lots of people who are going through exactly the same situation and I think it's very tragic that people are being killed for these reasons.
0: Those living with disabilities are also concerned about the new provisions and by next year those with mental illness will be able to access MAID including possibly mature minors. Is it becoming too easy to die in this country Alex?
5: Well, you know, there's quite a few people I've been communicating with who tell me that they're having a hard time accessing medical treatment. Now you talk about, uh, you know, medical aid and dying for people with mental illness. Uh, there's a long waiting period to get treatment for mental illness, to get into the program for mental illness treatment. And yet you can qualify for medical aid and dying reasonably quick. So this is obviously a disparity where you've got people who whose only treatment available to them might be death and that to me is, is once again a, 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 almost a crazy situation that we've ended up here in Canada with and, uh, and needs to be redressed without a question uh, this shouldn't be happening this way at all I'm concerned about people with disabilities about uh, uh, they feel that their lives are not worth living and the society seems to be uh, agreeing with them
0: you say this is about abandonment not autonomy what do you mean right. by that and shouldn't Canadians have yeah. the freedom to choose how they die
5: Well, the issue of freedom to choose, well, you have to look at what the law says itself. So the law, really, if you define the law and you look at what it says, it's really about the rules that the doctor or the nurse must do in order to approve your death. That's what it's about. So someone might request it, and that's absolutely correct. But this is what the law is about. So really, it focuses on the act that the physician is doing in order to cause your death. I'll go one step further and say, you know, there's a lot of reasons someone might seek a death, such as poverty, such as, you know, they're going through a very difficult time and they can't receive treatment. I was talking to a woman in Victoria, BC, who's been... Seeking treatment, and she says the only place I can get it is in the US, which is a crazy situation. She's trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars for a treatment, but she can be approved for made. She says, I got approved for made easily. Treatment, I can't seem to get approved for. So, you know, you have this situation where you have serious disparities. So, is it e- too easy to get made? Absolutely. Should we be a caring society, not a killing society? Absolutely. But it seems to me that uh, there's major change needed.
0: So what is the solution? What is that major change that's needed? What what would you like to see?
5: Well, right off the bat, we have to change how we, you know, do. Made. I, I think, uh, you know, the concept of killing someone is absolutely uh, a wrong idea from the beginning. I think it's wrong that we have doctors and nurses have the right in law to cause your death and my death. I, I just think that's a crazy idea. But on top of it, how easy we've made it. So if you're going to kill people, then obviously there should be more oversight of the law, and there isn't. There really isn't. You know, they claim that there's all these safeguards, and in fact, there isn't. One final thing: the law says that the doctor or the nurse only has to believe that you're that to be of the opinion that you fit the criteria of the law. So when you get a situation like Alan Nichols, who died by euthanasia in 2019, and his family were shocked, how did Alan die by euthanasia? How could this have happened? And when they did an investigation, the RCMP came back and said, you know, the doctors were of the opinion. They fit the criteria of the law. Well, that's what the law says. That you only have to be of the opinion. So obviously speaking, there was no redress for the Nichols family, and Alan was dead. You can't bring him back from the dead. This is the kind of thing we're having in Canada, and to me, it's uh, it's gone way, 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 way too far. I don't think we should be killing anybody, but how we're doing it is uh, is actually become uh, – we're the most permissive now nation in the world. Alex, how our rules are
0: Alex. We have forty-five seconds. Palliative care. Talk about that. You you say you know that that needs to be addressed a lot more and needs to be an uh, an option for Canadians. Yeah.
5: While we believe in caring for people, not killing them. That's what we believe in. So we absolutely believe that there needs to be a focus on how we care for people, allow a true death with dignity, which is a a natural death where people are actually caring for you, making sure you're kept comfortable, and options for them. I think what's happening right now is, is people are feeling steered to one direction because that's the option, that's the most easiest one for them to get, and that is called medical aid in dying. It's not called life with dignity and death with dignity. Death with dignity would be caring for them, allowing them to die a natural death, being comfortable and having people around them who are helping them
0: all right thank you so much Alex Schattenberg executive director of the euthanasia prevention coalition thank you for your time today thank you pastor Paul Charbonneau has counseled many over his years in ministry and the choice to die by assistance is a conversation he has had on a few occasions pastor Paul Charbonneau joins me now thank you for joining me today pastor Paul
6: Bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So, besides being a part of a denomination that doesn't allow clergy to take part in medical assistance in death, how do you personally feel about this?
6: Well, again, like I'm, you know, when I when I came to Christ, I sort of like I felt like the whole thing was about life. You know, the whole the whole thrust of li- of the scriptures is about life. That Jesus came to to bring life and the fullness of life. So right from the very beginning, when we became a Christian, this is almost like 45 years ago, we got involved with uh, basically uh, pro-life issues. And so this is just another manifestation of uh, of what we're facing uh, in our culture today.
0: You tell the story of meeting one man who had chosen maid after losing his wife to cancer, and, and you say right. more could have been done. What do you mean by that, The more could have been done for that man?
6: Well, I think, I'm thinking about, first of all, like he he was, I don't think he understood all of the the, the, the ramifications of what he was doing. Um, as far as, um, you know, the impact that that would have on not only his children, but his grandchildren too, what was he saying in, in, in what he was choosing? Um, I think we probably could have done a better job of, you know, giving him the full picture of this, but on the other hand, just his personality was, he he was a very difficult person to give another point of view. I'll tell you something, I argued with him for months about this, but I think he was that kind of person who just, he had already had his his mind uh, made up.
0: Pastor Paul, do you think you can value life and still choose to die with assistance?
6: Um, Well, like my, that's a that's a great question because we're not just talking about theories here. We're talking about real people. We, we are doing a disservice to the gospel by by uh, going forward with this. You know, what comes to mind is Jesus on the road to Emmaus. You know, it's basically the same kind of thing. This is a, a death has happened, although the people didn't realize who they were talking to. But Jesus walks alongside them he hears them he listens to them and yet at the time ta- at, at the end of the story he corrects their thinking on life and death issues you do not know the scriptures he points them to the reality of the truth of of the god that they're they're discussing at that, that point so i think he comes alongside them but in the end he has to correct they're wrong ideas. Yeah. And as hard as that is sometimes, I think we need to do that.
0: 10,000 Canadians, Pastor Paul, access made last year alone. What does that say about the state of our country when it comes to this matter and and the deep desire that these people have to die?
6: Years ago, people were informed by basically the word of God that, you know, it was more of a, a, a Christian context but since the Enlightenment, it's sort of like the reverse, where we basically decide what is right and what is wrong. And it's usually very me-centered. It's all about me, instead of there's a, a, another, you know, one giving us leadership in life. I think it's, it's a very different context that we're living in today. So, and I think people you know, people think, you know, like, like, and this just happened to me just a, a, a couple of weeks ago, where someone said to me, you know, I don't want to be a burden on my family. Mm. You know, that's, that's the common thing we we hear. I don't want to be a burden on my family. But the fact of the matter is, we're all burdens on each other. You know, babies are burdens, teenagers are burden, <laughs> I'm a burden. You know, that's the reality of life. And I think it stretches people to to think, no, I, 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 I need to take care of my aging parents. But we're living in a culture today that is is, is so incredibly me focused mm. that um, mm. it's you know I I know I, I sound like a dinosaur when I talk about this kind of stuff, but
0: well, I I think of the scripture that says, "Come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest." and i think that's yeah. that's the that's where you're going with with that sentiment so that we don't have to carry this burden but that we can give it
2: Absolutely. To
6: Jesus.
0: Pastor Paul Sharpto, yeah. thank you so much for your time today, sir.
6: Okay, bless you.
0: Coming up the queue, has it become too easy to die in Canada? Do we value life in this country? We will discuss. I don't think
3: that Equality and dignity necessarily means a fast track to death, right? One should one should be provided with the resources to live with dignity, as opposed to a fast track to die with dignity, so called.
0: That was Nancy Hansen. She is a professor of disability studies at the University of Manitoba, sharing her concerns about medical assistance in dying. I'm joined again by the Q panel, Renee and Moira are here, Brian is away. So we're joined by Andrea Senna, director of policy at CARDIS. Thank you all for joining us today. All right, today we're talking about MAID and the changes that continue to be made around the access to this procedure. Is dying in this country proving to be easier and easier, Moira?
2: Oh, for sure. It's really quite fascinating, Maggie, that the safeguards that were said to be there in 2016 when the legislation was passed was supposed to prevent, if you like, expansion and being and, and having made uh, restricted to specific situations. And since then, of course, there have been all sorts of extensions, including this recent one, that is touted as being available for people with mental illness, scheduled to come up in February 2023. So that coupled with the increase in numbers since the legislation passed, I think that goes to show that, while it's not incredibly easy and something like that, of course, never should be or could be, it's certainly a lot easier. And the safeguards that were said to sort of put a hold on expansions They've been shot down one by
0: one. Yeah, the critics are out there, and they're saying, uh, you know, just there was a big article in the New York Times also criticizing uh, Canada for being easier an easier country to die. Andrea, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah,
3: it's certainly been the case that uh, the critics who warned of the slippery slope have have shown that their their concerns have come to pass. And you know, Cardis previously conducted some research on the attitudes of Canadians towards medical assistance and dying, this was back in 2020. And even at that time, many of the Canadians who were sort of cautiously optimistic or cautiously supportive, I should say, of of the procedure maintained their concerns around, um, access to this procedure for those who are vulnerable, the elderly, people with disabilities, people with mental illnesses. And so I think it's an unfortunate confirmation for those who were concerned about the expansion of this procedure, that yes, it is appears to be getting easier, although It does seem that more people are ringing the alarm bells around the concerns for this as as it expands
4: as well.
0: Yeah, it does seem like the alarm bells are ringing a lot louder than they were in the initial stages. Medical assistance in dying has morphed from being a procedure accessible to those with foreseeable death to now being one that is accessible, as you said, Andrea, to a growing number of people in the community, including those living with disability and soon mental illness. What does this say to this demographic specifically, Renee?
1: Well, I think it speaks to uh, the currency that we place on life and that perhaps that perhaps life is, uh, the value of a life is measured in terms of social utility, right? And, you know, we are reading with all of the reports and the articles and opinions that are coming out that perhaps uh, there can be a social uh, approach or understanding that we can take care of the vulnerable to a certain point and then when they be, it's it's far too intense to give care or far too burdensome and let's talk about the dollars here for a minute, um, then then death by suicide is an option. Um, so I think it's, it 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 says something about the value that we place on a life in this country that um, this procedure is becoming accessible to all. But I question accessibility though because at the end of the day, the number one safeguard is request mm-hmm. by request in all of the dissenting articles and uh, and op-eds that we've read it seems to me that there are there are um, cases surfacing where in fact uh maid was offered by a medical ethicist a profi- uh, a practicing medical partic- you know practitioner in a hospital for instance and and also that, that access to that procedure seems far more easier mm. and less complicated uh, than than struggling to get accessible and affordable and timely care, whether it's for a mental illness, whether it's for housing, whether it is food. I mean, we need to begin to question why um, in why people are going to request made. Yeah. versus other options to live in the face of adversity. Well, let's So we ex- have a long way to
0: go. Let's explore that a little bit more, Renee. You're right, I mean, 10,000 people alone just last year accessed <laughs> MAID. And so there are a growing number of cases where people are choosing death because of a lack of access to services and proper housing and care. What are your thoughts about that, Moira?
2: I think most particular cases, fortunately, perhaps, are still small. So we were reading about that idea. If I, if you can't give me housing, I'll choose to die because the two people couldn't live in specific situations because of the health effects that they had. But small numbers, referring back to that slippery slope aspect, certainly mean that more people might begin to think that way. But I think it does reflect a real crisis in our health care Not only do many physicians think, because it's legal, that this is something that they could, in fact, offer. Being requested is yet just another facet that I think will disappear. But there are so many areas, especially in in mental health situations, where we're not talking about terminal illness. We're not talking about foreseeable death. We're talking about situations where, in fact, people could be cured. And it isn't always the case that they have difficult social situations. I think we have to be really careful, especially around the question of consent, especially, again, in the the area of mental illness, that that whole principle of law is a moral area and it's a legal area. We are not really supposed to have anything done unless we're able to give full consent. And it's really difficult for many people to think that people with serious mental illnesses actually have the capability of giving that consent. So there are healthcare issues, there are social issues, there are these types of legal issues, and then there's a very basic moral issue yep. that I think the country still has to confront about whether it's ever right for somebody to take his or, own, his or her online.
0: Absolutely. All right. We're going to have to call it there. Moira, Renee, and Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Over the past 24 seasons here at Context, the team has covered the topic of euthanasia or medical assistance in dying many times. The issue is complex and both sides have valid points. The reason we chose to cover it again this time is because a mom reached out to us when she found out her 23-year-old son, who had lost partial eyesight due to type 1 diabetes, had been granted access to MAID without her knowledge. An illness that millions live with all over the world was deemed enough for a 23-year-old to be granted the ability to end his life. The mom was afraid to talk to us on camera. Life is valuable. It is a gift, short or long. How you choose to share that gift is left for each of us to decide. But how do we show the people in our lives that they are valued? How do we remind those living with illnesses or disabilities that there is a place for them in this world as flourishing individuals and support them when they need it? So that if that day comes where one has to make a decision about life, they can do it from a place of value instead of a place of burden and pain. Thank you for watching. Let us know what you think of today's topic. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. For all of us here, I'm Maggie John. See you next time.
1: Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing context. You can write to Crossroads, PO Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.
0: Context Beyond the Headlines invites you to an exciting new season. This year we're expanding our reach with a brand new podcast that will explore the interaction between faith, justice, culture, ethics and society. As we move forward with this brand new season and the launch of this brand new podcast, would you consider partnering with Context financially? It is because of the generosity of viewers like you that we're able to continue to tell the stories that matter.